0: And Dawson McCartney's got a lot of room to carry. McCartney in towards Graham. Graham, there's the second! Within a matter of a minute, Dartmouth has found two goals and equalizes this game. All right, everyone. I am here with Stu Flaherty. He is a D1 Dartmouth soccer coach, and he is a sports psychologist, amongst many other things, I'm assuming. Many things. Mm-hmm, many things. things. Just throw a little closer here. Ooh, there we go. There we go. There we go. I just want to make sure everything, because this is, to me, this is a very important um, get-together, very important interview. So I'm Clearly. That's yeah. why the microphone's gold.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I drove
0: three hours for this damn thing, so you better entertain me. <laughs> I walked about <laughs> 70 seconds for this thing. Yeah. But I'm psyched up, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, me and Stu know each other through uh, my brother, Cam. He's been on the show. A lot of you obviously know who he is. Um, They met through Cameron's gym, Cameron's training, and um, Stu, take it from there.
1: Yeah, um, so I was, uh, before I moved to Dartmouth, Hanover, New Hampshire, I was in Lewiston, Maine, working at Bates College, (coughs) Um, trained at a gym with a friend of mine, Matt Proben, and... Shout out to Matt Proben. Matt Proben, hell of a guy. Um, Still know Matt now, Uh, he actually had a fight last week. Oh no shit. Yeah it was a tournament in Oklahoma. Oh shit. So yeah Matt's Matt's a good guy. He lost on points. Um, He was disappointed with that obviously. But he's a hell of a fighter and he's got the the mind of a fighter and uh, Matt introduced me to Cam. Uh, We had a couple of conversations. I ended up doing some work with Cam. Cam was and is very successful before and after meeting me and um, you know was around and Working with Cam when he won his first belt, which was eerie. We set uh, we set a goal each, talking to each other, that I wanted to coach in D1 college and Cam wanted to win the NEF belt, and they, those two things ended up happening within 36 hours of each other. That is crazy. It's not though.
0: Though <laughs> no, it is, it's it's just funny how the worlds of you two came together, and then your two of your current biggest goals had collided at the same time in a good way me and cam would believe that's not a coincidence for (laughs) multiple reasons yeah yeah um yeah and he was he was mentioning me before that you know he was just training at his gym he knew you for just from crossing paths a little bit but then you guys got together and talked um you know while he was just running around you called him over and he went from there you're you you've changed his life ever since that moment (laughs) That's a, that's a big statement. Yeah. <laughs> well, <I didn't laughs> as long even... as
1: that's coming from Cam, not me, then that's fine. It, it, well, f-
0: from what I'm hearing is I didn't even know who you were or anything, me personally, until um, Cameron's wedding. And he's like, Stu needs to be here. Stu needs to be here. Where's Stu? Where's Stu? Where's Stu? So one of my one of my men at my wedding, I'm like, who the hell's Stu? You know what I mean? And yeah, then that was were... a hell of a day. I yeah.
1: um, had a flight canceled. Can't even remember why. I think it was East Coast weather. I was recruiting in San Diego, and I was supposed to land in Portland, Maine, at about 2pm, and get up to Cam's wedding, and the first flight didn't take off, and I ended up on the second flight, and I ended up landing in Portland after the wedding, Yeah. and driving up to the, the after party, um, a few stories from there, I remember, that was an event, um, and yeah, that was fresh off the plane from San Diego, so I missed the wedding, but didn't miss the day, and mm-hmm. I'm so mad. Because, like, a wedding in a cage is just the coolest idea I've ever heard in my life. It was very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but,
0: so maybe I met you before the wedding then. I must have met you at Cam's championship fight. Probably. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, the belt. You don't I'm remember me. Like, you supposed me? to go to a wedding. Were you yeah. hammered? No, not at all. Liar. <laughs> No, I didn't even think about that. So uh, you did you see that fight? Cam's championship fight? The
1: Killian Murphy fight. Yeah. I was at that fight. Oh, that wasn't that crazy. I've been in a few of Cam's fights. I can't remember the exact list but I was actually at one of Cam's fights before we ever met each other. And the reason I remembered it was uh picked some guy up and dropped him on his head. Oh, that was fight two. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember he uh, was, uh, Ken- Kenny Kenny. He was like, Something he was, like that. I d I don't remember the name at all. Like I said I would I would like I used to go to all the Lewiston events. Um because I was working at Bates and I just enjoyed it and I knew some guys but not Cam. And that one moment stuck in my head when he picks the guy up and slams him. And then if you remember, it went viral, didn't it? It was all over.
0: Oh, there was an uh, article that said the slam heard around
1: the Coliseum, <laughs> Yeah, and it was all over the internet and that. And it was the building Ali fought in. Yeah. Um. So I did know who Cam was when I started, uh, started training with Matt. And he used to, like put people together with drills and I'm just trying to hide in the corner and hit the punch bag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look yeah. what I'm doing. Stay away
0: out of that. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's a skilled kid. He's uh he's got a heavy future. You know he you, obviously you know he just went pro and everything. Yep. The big announcements there. So no surprise. Nope, not at all. I thought it was gonna be sooner. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But he um I don't know if it's I think he's he's told me, so I don't know if you know if it's probably out there but he got a couple offers from some big places to fight in November, and yeah. he turned them down because he knows, like, hey, I just went pro. You know what I mean? There's a lot of work for me to do. First impressions are everything. Cam
1: made a good decision. Um, yeah. Cam's, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, Cam's goal isn't to go pro. Cam's goal is to have a pro career. <coughs> and they're very different things. You know, if your goal is to go pro, as soon as the phone rings, and it's a brand fighting promotion, UFC, Bellator, whoever, and uh, they offer you a fight, you take it. Could be on a week's notice, like a bunch of guys do. Could be at the wrong weight. Could be the wrong opponent. Could be anything. But if your goal is to go pro, you take it. You go in there. You get brought in to be beaten. You get beaten. Now you're own one. And some people in their early pro careers make that mistake. They do out that desperation to say, "Look at me, I was a pro," which they can't say. You can't take that away. It's not an unimpressive thing. But it's when like you go me with st-
0: podcasts, you can't say I never did it.
1: But um, when your goal is to uh, have a professional career that's not how it should work you should have a camp for your fight you should have a plan for your fight you should know the weight you want to fight at you should have some kind of long to mid-term plan about the road you're going to take and where you're trying to end up and the goal isn't just to step in a cage and whatever the result happens to be the result happens to be so I believe that Cam and his team have got months and maybe even years planned out and they should have mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's a uh...
0: He's taking it the right way. It's it's funny how like I've watched him go from my little brother to mature to what he is right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. His mentality from when he was twenty years old until what is he twenty
1: seven now? I think give or take. You know.
0: Yeah. He's it's a totally different person.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very proud of his evolution too. You know, I met Cam and he was a short guy, and now he's a short guy. <laughs> it's, just been, it's been really beautiful to <laughs> see. My eight year old's almost
0: taller than <laughs> him. Do you know what, Cameron can't came back you know say anything else because he knows it's true. <laughs> but yeah, he's uh he's done he's done great for himself. But as of you, you've you've run up the ranks in soccer. Is it was it baseball you did before, or was it football? Um, not soccer, football. What sport did you coach
1: before? Soccer, soccer, soccer. Just a different school. Oh okay. I've um, always coached soccer. I Did a master's degree in sports psychology, um, and. While I was doing it, I was ending out my playing days knowing I wanted to coach. Mm -hmm. And I've always coached. I coached some high school in England and then ended up uh, coming over to America. And that's actually a a hell of a story, to be honest with you. uh, Because I got into Tony Robbins when I was young. Do you know who he is?
0: Uh, The name sounds familiar. A
1: little out there, very different. A lot of people find it cheesy, but he's a a self-help guy. He's actually the guy in the movie Shallow Hal that convinces Hal... Oh, really? That every girl he sees is beautiful, regardless of what they look like on the outside. But, um, yeah, I went to one of his things and he did a couple of exercises that stuck with me. And one was a life audit. And it was about where you are in life and where you wanted to go in life. And one thing he said was, remove yourself from how you're going to do it. Because what his belief was, was there's a survival instinct in the human brain that always wants comfort and always wants safety and always wants to survive. I I fully believe that that's true. So when you think of things that you want to do that you haven't done yet, the next thing your mind does is to say, well, how am I going to do that? And then within minutes, you've got six, seven, eight situations. that are going to make it really difficult for you to do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And they're all real and they're all true. And a lot of people stay in that cycle for years maybe even forever Mm -hmm. i've wasted years in that cycle over some things sometimes i was in it when i went there um i wanted to coach soccer for a living but i had to pay my rent had to pay my car payments had to do this had to do that and the next soccer job i got wasn't going to do all that for me so i was teaching sports psychology hated it to be honest with you wasn't happy at all in a relationship that wasn't really going well um think we were kind of just at that point together just because we'd been together and neither of us wanted to split up Um, I think a few people have been there too oh yeah Um, living in a place I didn't really want to live doing something I didn't really want to do so when he said remove how you're going to do it it sort of frees your mind a little bit because you skip that process and you're like I would like this 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 and this and if you start to say say things and see things clearly your motivation increases without that house cycle sort of killing it right at the root. So I had some vision boards, I had some goals lists, some I've still got now, to be honest with you. And it all revolved around trying to coach soccer at the professional level. And um, I left that not having any idea how I was going to do it. But pretty convinced I was going to try and do it. And I got into some things that are a little bit out there. You know, the meditation, the visualization, the vision boards and what have you. And I got a phone call out of nowhere. Uh, It was a friend, Scott Reynolds, he was in Utah. And some guy had withdrawn and a high school in Wyoming, Cody High School, their girls team needed a head coach and they needed a head coach in like three weeks because the guy before had just pulled the plug on him and left him short-handed, so I'm there. In England, with an opportunity to get paid a livable salary to coach on a four-month contract, I was going to live in a lodge near Yellowstone Park for free. They were going to give me a rental car.
0: This is over in England, you said.
1: No, this is Wyoming, okay, USA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were going to give me. You a... You were rent.
0: in Wyoming, uh, England at the time. I was right? living in England, okay, that's and the, this means.
1: offer came up in Wyoming. They were going to give me a rental car, and I was just going to coach. So instead of having the eight-hour teaching day and all the other stuff and doing the one or two hours coaching a day, I was going to get to coach full-time. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm could. i doing it pretty well now. Imagine if you lifted the teaching off and Mm -hmm. just let me coach how well I could do it. That was kind of my motivating factor. So I agreed to do it. Um, And it was kind of insane, to be honest with you, because I just left all the stuff in the apartment I was living at. I right, split up with a girlfriend that I was splitting up with and it was so last minute that the day that I flew out to Wyoming, my mother, because the mail hadn't come, had to drive to the post office while I was getting ready. And I will never forget her driving back, waving my passport with the US visa in it out the window <laughs> like locks son, it was there. And if it hadn't come, I, w- I, w- <laughs> I was going to miss the flight and I wasn't going to go. So ended up flying out there and... <clears throat> For my arrival in America, you got to understand how small England is. You can get east to west coast in England in about an hour and 40 minutes. I know, that's fact. Top to bottom <laughs> in, like, five hours. So you never drive far. I'd never drove a car more than an hour in my life. Didn't have to. You know, if you're going that far, you get the train. It's just kind of the culture. And uh, they'd always told me that I was landing in Denver, and I was living one state up. If you tell an English person that someone's one stayed up, they think 20 minutes, 15 minutes. <laughs> so I get there and they gave me, there wasn't GPS back then, they gave me MacQuest directions on paper <laughs> for 974 miles and a, <laughs> and a rental car key. And I'm like, this dude's like leaving right now <laughs> and he's serious. And he's like, yeah, have a nice life. So I'm just stood there, I'm like, this is insane. This it's is- like
0: when someone has a baby and they just give it to you. Like, yeah. I was 23, I'm like, alright, I guess I'm doing this now.
1: Exactly, not just like, well, probably you've got it a bit tougher there, but, <laughs> um, and the best thing about the 970 mile drive, it was only like 7 miles on the map quest because Wyoming's just these big long roads, Yeah. and, uh, I made the drive and I'd never seen anything like it, the size of the mountains, the tunnels carved through the mountains, the the canyons, the valleys, the driving through a town that said Highland, population 10. Um, I just remember finding that hilarious. I'm like, if I hit someone, do they
0: change (laughs) that sign
1: to nine? Like, what is going on here? (laughs) And then I uh, pulled up in the first gas station and the guy behind has like a camo vest on and he's sharpening a knife. And I just like left immediately. (laughs) And then I saw a sign that said something like, do not pass this sign. With less than a quarter of a tank of gas, because it was just desert, yeah, and uh, no gas stations, no nothing. People run out of gas in Wyoming like a lot. Yeah, I've I've gone from coast to coast, and there's big yeah. parts of nothing. Doesn't happen in on the East Coast, right? So I'm just like, this is this is just lunacy. It's mental. Um, <laughs> and I pull in in the middle of the night, and I woke up the next day, and I got goosebumps. I looked out my window, could see buffaloes, never seen them in my life. Mm-hmm. Could see bears. Could just see endless. Just ridiculous, sound, and I'm just like, wow. I'm assuming for the good. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. But I'm just like, wow, we're, we're, we're really here. <laughs> and we're doing this. And then, um... Now I
0: know why Americans have guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right?
1: Seriously, though. Especially out there. It's crazy. Like, like um... I remember this guy, Danny McVeigh. He's a great guy. And, uh... sorta became one of my friends out there. Not sorta, He did. He was an, a really good guy to me. And, um... He says, uh, you know, you always see someone who's seen a bear and you've always seen someone who has seen, you know, a buffalo. So don't be scared of them. (laughs) He said, have you ever seen someone who tells you about that time they've seen a mountain lion and lived? (laughs) I was like, no. He's like, me neither, ever. (laughs) And, like, he'd be like, you want to go hiking? (laughs) No. I don't want to go hiking up there with, like, all Uh those... The concentration of animals that can kill you in Cody, Wyoming, is alarming. Yeah, I just saw a video um,
0: a couple of days ago of a guy. It's a six six minute video. Yeah, walking backwards. Walking
1: back with the yeah, cougar after I was, him. That was something, right? That's so, fucked. It's just not my thing. <laughs> like you see this here. I mean, you can't see if you listen to this podcast, but where I live. Um, shout out to Alex Frank, Dartmouth Lacrosse, and Blake McFadden, Dartmouth Baseball. Um, but um. There's just woods, and I'll sit out here, and I'll hear wind, and rattling, and Mm -hmm. like, I'm done for, and then a a deer (laughs) prances out, but yeah, in Cody, Wyoming, it's like 20 minutes from the gates of Yellowstone, and you're talking bears, you're talking mountain lions, you're talking... Oh yeah, all of it, wolves. Bison, yeah, yeah, wolves, just...
0: It's a world. Yeah. That's their world, um, you know what I mean?
1: It's different. Loved it. You're walking into their house. Loved it, um, but yeah, wow, (laughs) so, um, and then, uh... The season went well. We actually uh, we broke the school record for wins in a season, and it was my first season as a head coach. I'd done some assistant work at Loughborough College with uh, Steve Wilkinson, but that was the first team that was mine, and you feel a lot of pressure when the team is yours. Aye. And um, to uh, school have been playing since the 70s and to win more games than they'd ever won before was a good thing and um, ended up getting a job in Utah with the Youth Academy of Real Salt Lake, the MLS franchise there. And again, Utah is very different. very just very different my mind is being open to how the world is and you know we all fall guilty to common beliefs and common theories and common ways to live Uh, where we are are the norm and they're really not you know people ask me what America's like and I don't have an answer for them because I can't give them the same answer for New Hampshire as I give for Wyoming
0: oh and America is so large it's not small sections it's the whole you go you can go 500 miles south it's a different country
1: yeah and it's almost different times just the beliefs and there's there's good and bad to all of it but um yeah I guess you never realise that until you get out of where you grew up yourself and see people who've lived their entire life thinking very differently to how you think I mean I've done a couple of trips to Dubai since I came to Dartmouth and again you just Oh, that must talk where you talk to people from there yeah. and they just grew up in an entire different belief system and thought system and accepted reality to what we did and it's that saw sort of that that kind of thing's all very interesting to me so then end up moving east <clears throat> um working with the Cape Cod Crusaders with Paul Berber who was a massive figure in helping me in soccer um they play in USL League 2, it was called the PDL, and it's kind of the equivalent of AAA minor league baseball, and Paul just let me shadow him, pick his cones up, listen to him, and uh, learn more in three months than I'd probably learned in years beforehand. Then I ended up moving to New Jersey, working in college, moving up to Maine, um, and and in Maine, Paul's League 2 franchise moved from Cape Cod to Portland, so that was just, call it manifestation, call it blind luck, whatever it was. But I ended up having a job back there in the summer. Spent 10 summers with them. We won six division titles. We had more than 50 players go turn pro. And I was also volunteer assistant with Bates College. And two years later, that was head coach of Bates College. And I would spend 10 months a year, you know, full-time Bates. And then in the summers, I would split Bates and the USL League 2 team. And then from that, ended up coming to Hanover, New Hampshire. So a winding road
0: this sounds like it that's insane um what's your next step you you,
1: you ass, you're assistant coach or head coach here? I'm not a, I'm assistant coach here and I'm not avoiding that question no. but um I say a coach is a coach I am a no not the assistant head question <laughs> yeah no um what I'm not avoiding is the next goal because I spent a good part of my life wanting the next job you know I got to Cody and I wanted to go to Salt Lake. I got to Salt Lake and I wanted to go to Cape Cod. I got to Cape Cod, I wanted to get into college. I ended up moving to Maine, and I got to D3, and I think for the first time in my life, and honestly it's because I was married at the time, divorced now, but I kind of stopped doing a job thinking of the next job. You know, I stopped half doing this job and half thinking about what job I wanted next, and I don't think I've ever done a better job than all the work I did in Maine and I think if I could go back and do all the jobs before again, I would do them better. And I think most people you come across, coaching is bad for it, to be honest with you, where 10 minutes of knowing them and they're talking about where they want to go and -hmm. it's not where they are now and it's not healthy. Mm -hmm. Because if you're a coach, you're kind of responsible for the playing careers and the mental development of the players you're coaching. And if you're doing that just to get somewhere else, I believe people realise that, you know, whatever level it's on. I think people know when you're doing something for yourself. And then when I got to Maine, then I started realising, I don't know if I'll have another job. I don't know if this will be the best job I ever have. I don't know if I'll leave Maine or whatever, because you think differently when you're married, right? I was like, all I know is this is going to be the best Bates College soccer team that's ever existed. You know, that's how this is going to be. And every player to come in here, whatever his ceiling is, we're reaching it. You know, whatever the talent level of the team is, we start the fall at a 6 out of 10, it ends at an 8. And I think that level of focus never left me. So, in an ideal world, one day I'll coach a pro soccer team. But I'm not going to waste the weeks and months at Dartmouth or years wanting to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Because if I do, I won't do a good job here and frankly I shouldn't even be here you know I should go away and let someone else come in and do it so I think the goals right now want to win the Ivy League year in year out I want to see Dartmouth players drafted into Major League Soccer which mm. has happened before us and will happen after us and it should happen now and Dartmouth's interesting man it's the Ivy League we've got kids here that might be brain surgeons will be brain surgeons we've got kids here that might want to be president of America one day we've got kids here that might want to go be multi multi millionaires and if we can teach them something you know one or two things along the way of their curve I think that is a very worthwhile way to spend your life so that's what we're trying to do at Dartmouth and we are trying to win every soccer game we play along the way
0: how's the team been well you started you started three years ago right
1: it's my gonna this would be my third year okay yeah. we're undefeated this year Oh sweet. We're all 0 we're <laughs> I didn't I didn't I didn't and know when we, it started. And we will remain o, and o for a long long time because of COVID. We're, we don't have a season right now. Oh shit. Yeah. We may the Ivy League has said we might have a season in the spring. Uh we to see what happens. Yeah, so, I didn't even know that. Yeah, this is truly a unique time in college soccer. I think one D1 one conference is playing. Mhm.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know for sure. Like, Obviously, I'm not it. a
1: coach, but I work
0: at an ice rink, and the high school hockey probably isn't happening. Probably not. Which sucks because there's a lot of seniors that were looking forward to their last year. You're talking and about the Dartmouth seniors right now. <laughs> that's what I'm being. Yeah, right yeah, I'm now. Just, so I are, get the little version.
1: We are doing some work. You know, We do uh, small-sided, non-contact technical practices, which is important. Um, we're doing weight room sessions. And I think there's some benefit to the freshmen because they get the year uh, back eligibility-wise, and... A lot of freshmen waste their fall because it comes too quick. You know they get here. Season's going on. They're not really settled in. They're not really physically up to speed. They're not really used to playing against 21, 22-year-olds. So they kind of have an adjustment curve here that they've never had before. and Frankly, I hope hope they never have it again.
0: Now, will they start as sophomores (laughs) or will they start as freshmen? They'll start
1: as sophomores, but they will have a fifth year of eligibility if they want it um, from the NCAA. But, yeah, last season didn't go as well as we hoped. Um, We went into the last couple of games against teams we should have beat, that we were above in the league and we were two points off the top, three points for a win to win the league. And we didn't get it done twice. Just went into these situations, these windows in times that sport gives you. And we didn't get it done. And we're really disappointed with that. You know, if we could rewind time and win those two games, maybe we're sat here Mm -hmm. defending Ivy League champions, but we didn't and we're not and you deal with it. Um, But there were some good moments in the season you know when we played Princeton they were defending league champions we beat them 1-0 we played Michigan State who were coming off the final four in the country and you know Michigan State athletically it's where like Magic Johnson played basketball where Levy and Bell played football and uh it's not a joke (laughs) probably disrespecting a bunch of athletes by only picking those team names out but two names out but whatever and uh, we beat them 2-1 and I think when they come to New Hampshire to play Dartmouth they don't expect to go home beaten, but they were Mm-hmm. And we played UConn and drew two-two, which was primarily a good result because we find ourselves two-nil down with only about thirty-two minutes to play, which in soccer is a lot. You know, basketball, two points down, whatever, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, soccer, two goals down, half hour left—that's some pressure. And we scored twice in like thirty-seven seconds to so tie the game
0: up. For guys like me and others, how long is a soccer game? Ninety minutes. Ninety. Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah. Yeah, you guys are, <laughs> you guys are running. <laughs> yeah. How often do they change, like, you know, like hockey? We change lines every 45 seconds. How does, Pro how does...
1: soccer only makes three substitutions all game, and once you're off, you're off. Oh, damn. Um, but college soccer is a little different. <clears throat> um, if you come off in the first half, you can't go back on, but you can make as many as you want. In the second half, when you come off, you have one re entry. Damn. It's very unique in the mm-hmm. world, to be honest with you, college soccer. So
0: it's strategic on when you're putting your players out there? <laughs> yes. Do you start with all your best players, or how does that work? Yes. Yeah. Almost without
1: exception. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then at the end, it's kind of just.
1: I mean, in an ideal world, you have 16, 18 guys, and you're always in flux as to who the best players are. Okay, yeah. But if you're trying to win a game, you're putting the eleven out that you think will win the game. Yeah. I'm
0: learning something new.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is, there's actually some benefits. A lot of soccer purists, you know, purist's a funny word, and it usually means snob. <laughs> they um, they won't buy the college soccer sub and rules. Like, oh, for three in the pros is three in the pros and I don't like it. But there is a there's a lot of disconnected players in the pros that you never see. You know, the guys who go seven, eight months without seeing a field, mm-hmm. or the guys that play three games in a year. And college doesn't have as many because it's one thing to not start. But if you're not starting and you're getting fifteen to thirty minutes a game off the bench, that's not the same as being a pro that you're not starting, so you're not playing. Mm-hmm. If you're a player that, you know, you're you're not getting the playing time you want, but then you look back two months later and you've played in eight, nine, ten games, that helps to emotionally manage that player. But it also helps that player. Because if it's pro rules and you've got a freshman centre mid who maybe is not ready for a full game, you'll never start him. And you'd be slow to put him in. Because once you put him in, your starter's out for the rest of the game. But with college being like it is, you can sort of give that guy 15 minutes, 20 minutes here and there and put him on. And if it doesn't go well, you can bring him off again. But you've sort of exposed him to the environment and the pace of the game and the physical intensity of the game. And it's much better to be able to do that five, six, seven times or more. And then when he gets his first start, kid might have 80 to 150 minutes in the bank of playing as opposed to, right, you're ready now. Mm -hmm. He's your first start. You've never played in a game. So it's much better for a development curve for a youth player.
0: Now, do they have a uh, when you're going pro, pro? Do they have a minors you can you know call up,
1: go down, type situation, or what yeah. you have on your team is what you have? No, like again, different by country. In in England, like a Man United, we'll have a U18 team, a U23 team, a first team, and you can just move up and down day by day. In America, an MLS team, the New York Red Bulls. We'll have the New York Red Bulls 2. They will loan players down to play on the Red Bulls 2 in a separate Pro League. Uh, but usually you wouldn't sort of be on the Red Bulls one day, be on Red Bulls 2 the next, and be on the Red Bulls a week later. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd be a Red Bulls player and you'd be told when you were getting loaned out and when you were coming back. And that Red Bulls 2 team will play pro games against other MLS teams, second teams like Philadelphia Union too, but also play against teams like Hartford Athletic who are flat out professional organisations, just not in the top league.
0: That's that's one way to do it, I guess. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it's, you end up seeing a Hartford Athletic who no one's ever heard of playing New York Red Bulls too mm-hmm. and beating them pretty frequently, even though you recognise that Red Bulls logo and Red Bulls name. Mm-hmm. There's a lot older, more experienced pros on the Hartford team than... Who aren't necessarily going to be beat by an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid just because that kid happens to be on an MLS franchise? If you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. To still in sports, um, you do. You said you taught
1: sports psychology.
0: You I still do. doing anything in that at all?
1: I am. I am. Uh, I run SF Aramus Sports Psychology. Um, it's uh, something I've done for more than 10 years now. Um, Dartmouth is my full-time job, but I do take on clients around my schedule here and it's usually zoom work call work consultancy work obviously when they compete i don't always have to be there so it's manageable um zoom's an amazing thing these days yeah probably five five fighters uh, i won't name them all on here because i haven't run it by them whether or not i can use their names of course. uh but cam's your brother so mm-hmm. cam's one of them oh really and uh <laughs> yeah you got a, a college basketball player um, got a couple of pro soccer players right now and just started off a Facebook group uh, called SF Eremus, which is S F E R I M U S, Sports Psychology.
0: Ooh, I think I'm actually in the group.
1: Yeah, and the idea of that is I always find myself texting podcasts or videos or messages to people I work with, and I'm like, let's get a central place where I can put all that, spread the message a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the idea of that, and we also have a website psychology.com and the main work is obviously 1v1 consultancy some work with teams on usually subjects at the coach's request and a couple of courses coming up on that will fit in both an athletic environment and a working environment about just maximising the environment around you to get what you want but to help other people get what they want because I think we're guilty as humans of always coming from the angle of what we want and very rarely coming from the angle of what we want to give back it's usually right, give me what I want and then I'll be nice, Mm -hmm. but I do believe the world's a mirror, I do believe there's energies that come back to you and if all you ever do is send out messages of I want this I want that, I want this you might get treated a bit like a spoiled child, you know, and if you're not willing to give back you'll probably find yourself not as doing as well as those with better outlooks
0: Give one, take one. Yeah, yeah. They have a that can work in a lot of different things, and sports yeah. is one of them. Yeah, life is one of them. Life. That's one. That's a great way to put it. Um, do you dabble into anything else? You do the sports. You know, do you have any hobbies? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, think, I think my
1: hobby's my job as much as that one. <laughs> you're not supposed to say that, right? Yeah. But um, well, it's not yeah, work if you're I having fun. I just find myself watching a lot of soccer and trying to take ideas yeah. in there, my spare time and even documentaries and stuff like I love that Jordan documentary still sports right are there, um, uh, are
0: there any other sports you're interested in
1: obviously yeah all fighting. of them yeah, yeah I, love, like, I like boxing uh, soccer um, I've got into MMA through Matt and Cam to be honest with you I never was big into it before other than finding Conor McGregor amusing um, <laughs> but um, I've uh, got into that I like basketball I love the NFL um cricket, rugby. I could just be here forever, just name a sport. WWE, is that a sport? <laughs>
0: I guess it's sports <laughs> entertainment. Right. <laughs> um, what do you think about that injury? Ah, uh, the, the Cowboys player.
1: Dak. Dak uh, Prescott.
0: Yeah, that's it's I awful. saw I saw picture of it and that's it was it's gruesome it's
1: terrible thanks for bringing that up
0: <laughs> no what what happened i
1: heard he that's my team the dallas cowboys <laughs> oh okay there just, you go you just lost a number of listeners right now <laughs> oh i'm not saying anything <laughs> bad the, about the, it the it one thing sucks. i have a, a serious issue with is i've lived in new england for 10 years now and i still have people call me a bandwagon fan for rooting for the cowboys but why exactly like actually think I'd understand who the bandwagon is. <laughs> I
0: understand if they, like, they won the, they were going to the
1: Super Bowl and exactly. you know they're
0: up twenty to nothing. Yeah, yeah, All I right, you know, I'm gonna start cheering for them.
1: In weird hatred of the Cowboys that like is doesn't go away. It's it's very strange. Yeah, it's the one. Yeah, I understand that. It's always so funny some of the
0: stuff they post on the internet, just shitting on the Cowboys. I know,
1: I know. Isn't it sad your brother's guilty of it too? It's <laughs> not right. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, it's <laughs> me. And there's Jason Eric Bell, God bless that man, <laughs> boxing coach in uh, Massachusetts. Um, yeah, I think we're the only ones that deal with the tirade of abuse. Well, did he,
0: I heard he turned down like a hundred and something million dollars just to like... Who, Jason? The I don't think so. The Cowboys coach. Oh, Dak. All right. <laughs> no. No, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> the boxing coach. He, I heard it today, like I've heard the turning down the money, but like he, he turned down a whole shit ton of money. Um...
1: Yeah, I think what we get fed is to fuel the narrative. You know, I think the sports media, there's an arm of it. that aren't out there to teach us about in the NFL. They're out there to create debate. So I think things are framed in certain ways. And when you frame it as he turned down hundreds of millions and now he's broken his leg, ha-ha, look at him. I can see where they're going creating that narrative. I don't believe that he turned down hundreds of millions of dollars. No. I don't. I think there was probably some negotiation, as there is with all professional sports going through his agent, that wasn't as black and white as him just saying, no, I don't want that money. Yeah. But I do think there's a reason they feed us that, because they want us to react in a certain way. They want click us to on, be talking about it click on, on their, their podcast. <laughs> click on their articles, listen to their podcasts. You know, like, I love him. Stephen A. Smith, love him. And like, I'm a Cowboys fan, those videos he always puts out laughing after we lose. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> But you're not going to learn anything about football, yeah. and that's very much an arm of the media that is literally just to stir emotion and to create debate. And uh, God, I'm saying sports, maybe politics now, right? It's totally. <laughs> what it sounds it. like you're going <laughs> right, into. <it>. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I try and avoid that, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't find it very entertaining. I find it very boring, to be honest with you, because it's like the same story on cycle. There's always always a choker, right? And it was Peyton Manning, remember? Well, actually, first it was John Elway. John Elway was a choker. John Elway was this big star that was just mentally weak, so we all made fun of him. And then we stopped when he won two Super Bowls. Now, nobody mentions that when John Elway won his two Super Bowls, he had the best running back in the NFL. So maybe it wasn't his mental breakdowns why Denver didn't win a Super Bowl. Maybe he won on a better team. Yeah. So when when he won and we couldn't do that, we just took that label that we love to have as a society of this athlete who's mentally weak and we put it on Peyton Manning. And then Peyton Manning won his. So that was wrong as well. So then we attached it to Tony Romo. Mm -hmm. And I have issues with people whose athletic careers peaked in high school and college, which, hey, I'm one of them, throwing stones at NFL guys for being weak and talking like that you can educate them on how to be strong in pressure situations. How do you know? <laughs> and not only that, why are we pinning it all on one guy? Like Tony Rome was an, an example to me because he would have won a playoff game in Green Bay had the referees called a catch instead of a drop on Des Bryant. And that would have been a last-minute game-winning drive. So is the fact that that didn't happen... Down to refereeing call that could have went one way or the other, or is Tony Romo some serial weak human? Yeah, (laughs) I know what I think because if he was that weak and that anxiety ridden, he wouldn't have been playing in that game.
0: Yeah, it's it's that happens in a lot of stuff, that happens in hockey and everything else. yeah, it's
1: every sport. We want again, it's a narrative, we want to pin that, and we just because we like the narrative, we just change the guy, and then if the guy proves us wrong. We don't, like, shut up with it. We just pin it to someone else. It's really dull. It's boring. And then you got the the guy who wants his money, and then you got the team we all hate. It's like there's this... It's like a movie, right? It's like there's these pre-set stories and narratives and characters that we like, so we just change the teams in them. That's why it's boring to me. It's always the same thing.
0: Yeah. Um... Now, I got the question I've been wanting to ask someone from you, especially because you're from England and now you're over here. First of all, in England, do they call it football?
1: Uh, yes, but we call it soccer too. Okay, because I was going to ask you, what do you prefer? <coughs> it doesn't bother me at all. And I want to tell you, as an American friend, that if an English person ever gives you heat for using the word soccer, like they all love to do, soccer was invented by the English... The sport is called association football, and soccer is an abbreviation of association. That's what it is. There you go. It was used by England all the way up to the 60s. If you said in the 60s, football, you meant rugby. The reason it changed is England won the World Cup, and you can find magazines from England of the time calling it the soccer World Cup or the soccer team. And then it became more stream- mainstream. And then we use football. And now everyone thinks they can get on the high horse and says everyone has to use football now and nobody can use soccer. But nobody ever mentioned that if you go to England now at 3pm on a Saturday when all the games are on, if you turn on Sky Sports, which is the English equivalent of ESPN, the show is called Soccer Saturday. Well, there if you, you watch the biggest talk show on a Saturday morning, it's called Soccer AM. So this whole... Americans say soccer and it's stupid. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, it, it's the same thing. Football, soccer, whatever. If you, if you get upset over the use of either word, your issue is not the word. It's a little just deep. want to start arguments. Yeah. And people do, right? Oh,
0: yeah. I do it with Cameron all the time. And I am English, <laughs> and
1: so I don't feel bad saying this, but there is a... <clears throat> that's why I asked a, you. There's a self-importance in a lot of English football or soccer fans that, like, everyone has to talk and think like we do. Just like shut up, brother. no they don't and I do think some of that growing up comes from I think I've been lucky enough to live in different parts of the world because I do think if you live your entire life in one place around one type of person you do run the risk of being closed minded and that's a very small example of that
0: yeah now do you think American football should have been called something else
1: no I've heard it's two two reasons both are fine one is that the ball was a foot long so oh, I never long, even thought about football. that. Football, that's cool. And the other one is that back in the day there was two sports and one was played on horses and one was played on foot. So it's called football. So I, I was fine.
0: Oh, that makes actually a lot of sense. Yeah. Because I used to think it was just because they, they punted or, you know, a field goal a couple times a yeah, game. Yeah, no,
1: I don't think it's that. No. Yeah. I didn't even know it was a foot long. I'm going to be testing that. You well, know, it's not now. It's oh, changed no? now. But it's just Google why is it called football and those are the two... Uh, Narratives that come up Oh I see I never even thought about that There you go Educating you on your own sports You're, now yeah, Exactly I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm hockey
0: That's my main You know
1: I'll, I'll watch football If it's on at someone's house But You would love Dartmouth hockey Yeah Yeah the crowds They get in there The rink is like An NHL rink Like it is It is big time
0: Does it hold like What a few thousand
1: Um, I don't know what it holds But they fill it yeah. It's noisy
0: Yeah. Um, I guess it really doesn't matter How around, All around, all full, around the
1: rink Is like Banners hanging of Dartmouth alumni in the NHL and the Olympics and this and it's sad it's lost on me right because I'm mm-hmm. not really a hockey guy but it's mm-hmm. a it's a real cool arena
0: yeah yeah rinks are it's is
1: how is that going is
0: there the hockey team gonna be playing or is Dartmouth shut completely for all we're lim- sports we're in limbo
1: we're not shut but we're in limbo everyone <clears> is doing what we're allowed to do and waiting for decisions from the Ivy League but I think this helps right because what we teach our kids all the time is don't just wait for the next game. If it's Tuesday practice, focus on Tuesday practice. If we're early in the season, don't just wait for the Ivy League games. You know, if you're on the bench, don't just wait to be in the game. If you're playing the game, concentrate on what you're doing and don't just wait for the end, hoping you won. So a lot of athletic coaching is trying to rein people's minds in and teach them about presence and accepting what you're given and making the most of it. So like now we've got to, walk our talk a little bit as we as coaches can't now be like oh god we're only allowed to do this we're only allowed to do that when's our season coming back it's like right well we've been given this we can do this let's maximise this and then as for when we next play games and what have you it's somewhat out of our control right now Hmm. yeah
0: it's it's like, I'm the uh, obviously, I follow hockey. Like, the NHL might be starting another season up in maybe January, mm. somewhere in December. Like, the off-season, everything's super short and yeah. everything. It's it's amazing how this COVID crap is yeah. just demolishing everything. It's changed the world. Yeah.
1: So, like, truly, on a massive level, it changes the world more than anything we'll probably ever see. At nope. least, I hope that's the case, because if something else changes it more than this, <laughs> woof. <laughs> oh, I love those those pictures and stuff they have online,
0: like, 2020 if it was this, or 2020 if it was that. Like, one of right. them like a dumpster fire. And yeah, then...
1: exactly. Uh, like, really, though. Like, uh, what what was funny is, um, I don't know if you remember, but sometime around 2015, we started this trend of just blaming the year for everything that went wrong. Oh, no, like, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, 2016's killing all the celebrities, and oh, God, <laughs> <the> FU 2017. <laughs> oh, God, 2018 sucks. I don't know. When we started blaming an arbitrary calendar for something, but we did. And it told totally worse. And now we're being like, All right, do you remember when your mum used to be like, I'll give you something to complain about like, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, Yeah. The calendar's that's, like, you know. I what remember I told you. you the world's a mirror <laughs> like we've complained and here we are. <laughs> so keep complaining and see what happens. Yeah.
0: My favorite, one of my favorites, has to be my favorite, is it's a guy looking at a clock and it says New Year's Eve, 11.59, he's all excited, (laughs) and the next thing it says is 11.60. (laughs) 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 So it doesn't, it's like, oh shit. Yeah, Uh,
1: I remember New Year's Eve and I was excited, and God, if you, if you would have told me then, what would have happened? Nah. (laughs) What, all this whole year? Just imagine being like, 12 or 1 a.m. And you sat with Cam, and he puts his arm around and he says, let me tell you what's about to unfold here. Mm. The economy's going to close. <laughs> There's going to be an airborne virus shut down the world. <laughs> There's going to be riots. Our nation's going to be divided. You know, we're not going to be allowed to travel. All pro sports are going to be shut down. Just imagine January 1, Cam saying this to you. would be yeah. like, dude, you are high. Yeah. but here we
0: are. Yeah, and we have these two guys running for president that just... <laughs> look like boneheads up there
1: Yeah, I've always been a believer in England and America the leader that is voted in is a mirror of society so if we're looking at presidential candidates that are hostile you know they lack decorum they are based on emotion over fact they can't take on an opinion that's not theirs and try and frame it or think about it If that's what it is and it's looking like that's what it is then that's where we all drove this you know donald trump didn't come out of nowhere Hmm. and materialize and the nation was a certain way and then he changed it i think how things were led to donald trump winning the presidential election led to boris johnson winning the english election they're just mirrors of the value almost if you look back the snapshots in time in history they're mirrors of the values of society.
0: Well, let's let's hope to some new society. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: I mean, uh, I don't know if any winner would solve everything, to no. be honest, because there's too much to solve. I don't know anything about politics, and I've told
0: a lot of people this. I, I don't follow any of it, so I feel like even if I voted, I'm just voting blind. And from I, what everyone's saying and everything else, it's like there's two piles of shit on the floor, and which one do you want to step in?
1: See, I, I follow it, and it's it's sad. Right, So he is, um, actually my great uncle John Jones, who was a great man, really great man, he was the mayor of my hometown, and uh, he was in politics, he was labour in England, and he used to say some things that, you know, mainstream you wouldn't hear much, that made me think a little bit differently, and I've always thought of John when it comes to politics, he was a very reasonable man, and if he didn't agree with you, he'd listen to you, and then he'd convince you and he would convince you why he was right but um, I guess that's what (laughs) what politicians do do. but then I um, when I was doing my sports psychology masters they talked about levels of psychology and this really relates to politics right so there is individual psychology so the work I do with Cam if I was to work with you it's individual so it's me talking to you so we've only got one set of values to filter through each right so if I say something that you massively disagree with talk it out a bit, and I can sort of learn the roles and the boundaries and how to connect with you and what, why you work and what doesn't work. And it's very effective. Then there's group psychology, which is a different thing, because if I coach Dartmouth College, I can't do that. And the reason I can't do that is there's 28 kids in our locker room. So if I were trying to make everything how you wanted it, what if it's not how Cam wants it and he's on the same team? So now I change it. So now it's how Cam wants it. But it's not how you want it anymore. And then there's a third guy over here, and he'd like it this way. And then there's 28 guys now. So mm-hmm. it's a never-ending spiral. And beyond that, as soon as someone's seen me giving you all that attention in a team environment, they would instantly think that you're my favorite. So everything you achieve is now tainted because they don't think you earned it. I just like you.
0: And it's hard to change some people's so minds. So group
1: psychology is very different. So when you're dealing with group psychology... You're dealing with groups of 30 people, and it's very much about structure and disciplines and standards and everyone feeling like they know what the rules are, they know how to succeed. There is a structure and rules, and it's enforced fairly, and that will get you a long, long way. Then people trust you when you speak, and then you can connect with them, but it's not quite the same. Then there's mass psychology, which is politics, and you're talking to bodies of thousands of people who don't get to talk back to you. So it's in no way relative to the first psychology I said, and it's literally about pulling emotional triggers that will get a certain emotional reaction out of thousands of people, and then they they will go and do what they're gonna do with it. So when you run a political campaign, it's not about keeping Ron Arnold happy. It's about saying things that create seeds and sparks and almost marketing in thousands and 10,000s and hundreds of thousands of people. And you can, like Trump or not like Trump, But he did that well. I personally don't like how he did it. But he did that well. He created massive, sweeping emotional reactions. And there's also an action statement in his campaign. Vote for me and we will. What was Trump's campaign slogan? MAGA. What did it stand for? Uh, Make
0: America Great Again.
1: Okay. Right. Hillary Clinton. Vote for me and we will. What was her campaign slogan? No idea i bet you whoever's listening to this has no idea either. (laughs) Because there wasn't one. So when it comes to mass psychology, you haven't said something where the person thinks they're doing something. Like, you can disagree or not agree with it, but someone voting for Trump thought that they were making America great again. Was emotionally reacting. They're taking your jobs. All these figure-based statements that people believed. People are riled up now. People are going (laughs) to go vote. And now, there's no argument that Hillary Clinton was in the career of politics more qualified than Trump. But it didn't matter. Because the mass psychology part of it, the emotional reaction part, the inciting reactions in mass bodies of people part, they make people think that they were part of a greater cause part. It probably wasn't even him. His campaign team did that a lot better, and he won the election. And now, it's almost—it doesn't matter if he's doing a good or bad job, you know. Yeah. You, it's a, you know running an election is almost completely separate to being the president of the United States of America. It's a totally separate thing, and if Biden can't do that better than Trump, you're gonna you see Trump in charge again. Mm-hmm. You are. Yeah, I don't know. I was joking around saying
0: I'm gonna vote for my grandfather just so he can say he had a vote for presidency. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was I'm still contemplating it yeah his, his, I call him obviously it's my grandfather he say bumper, and like,
1: he just told me yesterday, just make sure you don't put down bumper, you have to yeah. put angelo <laughs> i think i'm not, i ca- i can't vote yet um in America, it it' be two years to lack like, in vote, but because you can't fix everything if I was going to vote, I would vote for the thing that I felt most passionate about and vote based on that hmm because you can put a case together for either candidate.
0: Yeah, it's that's true, exactly. I just I haven't done my research enough.
1: Yeah. I still have time. Uh, I, li- <laughs> I haven't researched it. Um, I'm not even going to say it. I, d- I don't want the backlash of say, even saying who I'd vote for. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm not expecting you to yeah.
0: do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know how we
1: got on the subject. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't even I, remember. Yeah, I, w- I will say that the... Um, you know, the the current situation when it comes to Black Lives Matter my head coach here at Dartmouth is black a lot of our players are black and I do believe that there is disadvantages of the world that they experience day to day as compared to mine which I found find astounding because I'm not even American (laughs) <laughs> but I do believe that white people and black people aren't treated equally. And I watched a Netflix documentary called uh, I Am Not Your Negro. And it's worth watching. You know, I don't even think I'm an authority to start speaking on what I think about it and what other people should think. But I will say it's worth watching because we're we're not always as educated as we think. And if you're not as educated as you think you are, and you adopt a stance, and you just spend all your time defending that stance, I just don't think that's any way to live. You know, whether you agree with something or not, you should open your mind and listen to the other side, and then go from there. Well, let's be honest, most people don't get as far as opening their mind and listening to the other side.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, is there any um, final thoughts from The Stuart Flaherty? From Final. what I'm hearing from Cameron and everything else, and obviously from you today, it's you're a man with a big mind, and you need to. I, uh, don't, know. I don't know that I have a big mind. <laughs> well, you, you, you're a man of many words, and it's all positive. You know what yeah, I mean? You don't, no, I've, um, I've never
1: heard a negative. I have uh, I've enjoyed working with Cam, and I enjoy, you know, frankly, working with people. I, th- I usually work with athletes, and I think there's something very pure about athletics because, um, you know, uh, I work in the Ivy League, and you do see in youth sports sometimes people given advantages because of resources and because of parents' money. And then I think if you go outside of sports to education and things like that, you see even bigger discrepancies on if you're from certain families or you have certain background or you have certain resources, the, the world is easy for you, but I do think... Sports is a massive leveller. I do, because if you're not good enough and you can't compete against someone and you can't beat them, it almost doesn't matter where you're from. And I think on some level, that's how kind of how we all want the world to be, right? We want your success and failures to be based on your own behaviours and your own actions. And I do think, if we're honest, that's not always the case. But I do think it is more the case in sports than many, merry areas of life. So I do, I think that's why I enjoy the sports psychology so much.
0: That's great. Mm. Um, do you have any crazy stories from About something funky in England or something through soccer here or your travel, something crazy? Crazy stories, you put me in the spot there. <laughs> I'm,
1: probably, I'm probably giving it to be honest with you, <laughs> if you, did, the time you did. I the time I moved to Wyoming. <clears throat> yeah, that was, that was good. Yeah. That was great. And uh, I'll tell you now the first sentence a <laughs> local spoke to me in Wyoming was, <laughs> you ain't from round here, boy. <laughs> like, well, thanks for the reminder, champ, because no, I'm not. Yeah. And you just somehow made me feel like I'm from even further away. <laughs> now, are you
0: getting more, like, adapt to the American culture? Again, what
1: is the American culture? I don't know. Because you, uh,
0: you said when you flew I'm in, not it was totally different. New
1: Hampshire and Wyoming is even the same country, yeah. the same decade, the same anything. Yeah, so, yeah. like, I think the northeast yeah. of America... Is the closest to the English culture of any country outside of England I've ever experienced.
0: I can probably um, believe that because it's where we hit hard anyway. When English uh, was it England or
1: well, it's called New England,
0: yeah, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, shows yeah. you how much I know. I've been yeah, here my well, whole life. I think we used
1: to own this place, didn't we? <laughs> we had something had something some like something awesome teacups. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> uh, that's um, true. And then I think you. Uh, wasn't the British Empire kicked out because of like. You didn't want to pay high taxes anymore to the government because that's going well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, it's, 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 it's uh, it's very similar. It really is. And I think nowadays it's even more similar. I think when I lived in England, I used to visit America. There was different TV shows. There was different movies, different sports. It was very, like, novel. But when I go home now... It's the, Maybe it's a Netflix thing, but it's the same TV shows, and it's the same movies, and it's the same music. And there is American kids in Man United jerseys, and there's English kids in Dallas Cowboy jerseys, and there's definitely been a morphing, to be honest with you, the, the two cultures together where it is really, really similar.
0: No, that's how the world is. It's crazy how, you know, if you go from where you are, just
1: probably to the east a little more things are totally different (laughs) yeah i mean if you say that you say that and then uh, i went to dubai and that's a fascinating place right because like there's parts of dubai you might as well be in new york city oh really yeah like even half the people are american there's nba jerseys all over like every store is like nike and adidas but then like they'll be like all right i'll take you into the the old town they call (laughs) it which is like dubai of the city that we all know has only existed about 20, 30 years, which is insane, right? For the size of it. And then you go and then all of a sudden, it's like a damn Indiana Jones movie. You know, like everything is brick and sand and everything is like cash in no cards and just like Wow. <laughs> like this is the same place and this is two Yeah,
0: someone pulled the curtain different away. Different
1: and- cultures and honestly at times it's a little unnerving. You know, you just feel very like woof. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not in trouble but if I got make sure in, I have a button on my <laughs> If I got in trouble here, I ain't getting out. <laughs>
0: it's kind of, how are you feeling? Exactly. I have a buddy I want to come on. He uh, <coughs> he builds ice rinks and fixes ice rinks and all that stuff and he went over I guess and uh, built a rink. Not a hockey rink, but I don't think it was a hockey rink. It was just a regular ice rink for a Saudi Arabian prince. And he went what? over and did that and he has some crazy stories with all that. I
1: will say like people say like the Ivy League has a lot of money and it does but I don't know if I've seen anything like some of these people in Dubai oh yeah it's
0: the the Arabian princes and all that stuff they are just like I went out
1: to where they to work with Dubai City which is a youth club Uh, Terry Kidd is a great guy he runs that club and they have like some sheik as their owner and like funder and like wow
0: (laughs) I've uh I've heard stories of you know how they have like streaming video games and all that stuff, and then there's yeah. people that do it that make a lot of money, and all they do. Where is was a- that when I was a kid? Man. I know, right? Where is it now? You're right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how do I get a hold of that? Jesus Christ!
1: Do you know what's happened is I suck at video games. So <laughs> that's no, my problem. Uh, I' Probably suck now, but FIFA and Madden back when in my college days. It's, yeah. I didn't go out much in college because um, I was always playing. But that's I did love that.
0: Oh yeah, you you were the sports video game yeah?
1: Yeah. would it be nice to monetize that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they but the um the guys that got paid, he my buddy Ricky was telling me you'll have these guys that make so much money because they'll have Saudi princes and stuff that are loaded, we'll just be going, they they'll be watching, watching and like hey, here's fifty thousand dollars. And he said he saw it, it's they like, they just donate while you're playing games. And I don't know how much that a lot of people need uh make, but he said he's heard some Saudi Arabian prince throw it like fifty thousand dollars or something. Something stupid like that. That made me think, like, yeah, Saudi is, princes, is, Jesus Christ. Probably
1: nothing to that guy,
0: right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He took a little bit of gold off his well,
1: pug Let's start a podcast Madden tournament. Madden tournament? Yeah. I'll throw the challenge down now. I'll murder you, <clears> Ann
0: Cam. Oh, pff. first of all, I don't even play Madden, and I know I'd whoop you. I just go for the haymaker every time. This is, this is smoke you do not want. <laughs>
1: we'll have to do it. We'll have, have to do, do it. it. I'm in. I'd do it totally. Stream it live.
0: Yeah. I'll figure out a way to. do it. Anyone that. want
1: to come and drop fifty grand on, 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 <laughs> on the stream? I'll send you my PayPal. See, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how they do
0: that, man. I, like they have it all over isn't, Facebook now. Isn't um, Twitch is the thing, right? There's Twitch, but Facebook has been doing it. So, because er, obviously, I you know how phones these days, you say the word Twitch, and now I'll have sixteen ad, uh, ads on my phone for it. Isn't that amazing? It's like, so nuts. Yeah. Some of the, I've been. I've. I have a sports app, right? I think Tasha and my wife and her sister were talking about a certain type of boots they bought. I'm on the sports app. There's boots. Right. It's the same on. fucking Hang boots. On. Right.
1: I swear, I was talking to somebody before Christmas, right? And she said in a phone conversation that the phrase "hunter boots" never heard of them. Didn't know what they were, but she said that. The next day there was a Facebook ad.
0: Yeah, it's insane. They're constantly listening to you. So
1: there is something. Oh yeah. Like I'm not a conspiracy guy but there is something. I don't even think it's a conspiracy anymore. I think they're like, that's happening. Hang on, I'm going to turn my phone on now. Hunter boots. (laughs) Check in tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see what goes on. Yeah,
0: here we go. I got one. Big black dildos. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Stu's like they were already on my phone. <laughs> I'm worried about people <laughs> listening to me who work in the Ivy League right now is what uh, I'm worried about. It's me, don't worry, about <laughs>
0: <laughs> It wasn't Stu. <laughs> That's why editing's allowed. Right? right? yeah <laughs> there'll, there'll be a section for just my friends and there'll be a section for the Ivy League. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ivy League edit.
1: Yeah.
0: But yes, yeah, um, that stuff's crazy, though. And like I was saying about the gaming of Facebook, it's constantly popping up, just people playing live. They're yeah. usually playing the games I'm playing, too. You know what I mean? Really? You just click on them, and they're live. They're streaming. It shows them.
1: It's mind-bending, isn't it? Because like, <laughs> I do believe it. It's just like when you think, like, how do they do that? Like, Do you know one of the movies I watched that, uh, again, I like movies that make you think, wow, you seen those Snowden documentaries and movies? This, what is it? Ed Snowden the whistleblower who had to move to Russia Mm-mm. you don't know Ed Snowden no. so Google Ed Snowden and he was uh, he was working with the US military and he had access to uh, all this top secret info and he was pretty much saying that the US government is skimming data via cell phone um, companies and blah 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 and massive surveillance operations so he blew the whistle on it and then he flat out had to move to uh Russia.
0: Oh, really? After, uh, yeah. What was his name?
1: Snowden. S-N-O-W-D-E-N.
0: Yeah, I'll them, write them writing them all down. You said that, and there was another thing you told me to
1: check out later. I'll, I'll figure it out. I am not your Negro. <laughs> was that what it was? And do you know what I couldn't be, like, really, like, blew my mind on that one? Martin Luther King and Malcolm X really didn't like each other no? for a long time. And that was like, wow. They were like so passionately on the same side. Sometimes trying that to, happens. Trying to do the same thing, but because they went about it in different ways, they, they didn't like each other at all for a long time. It was they, really wanted, interesting. they wanted to be the man to do it.
0: <laughs> Who's this guy?
1: Well, I think, I think what it was was they both wanted what they saw as equality, but Martin Luther King wanted to do it in a way of love-based and faith-based and leading by example. And Malcolm X is like, more along the lines of, I'll give you one chance, but then <laughs> <laughs> then fire with fire. <laughs> um, and yeah, they were like kind of against each other, for, but it's, it's all in that documentary, and then the, the lead guy in the documentary is a fascinating character, and he, you know, I said about moving away, he said he didn't really get passionate about it until he moved to France because he thought how he lived in America was the only way things were in the world, and then he moved to France and was like, well... <laughs> you know, like, yeah, here not, we go. <laughs> it's not the same everywhere.
0: No. Well, that's. Uh, we are now hitting an hour, over an hour. All right. Hour five. I figured. Uh, <coughs> any,
1: any. I, I did it earlier, but any last. No, I mean, if anyone wants to get in touch, um, yeah, SF where, where can find you? <laughs> at gmail.com or uh, AramusPsychology How do you spell Aramis? E R I M U S. Okay. And the Facebook group is SF Eramus Sports Psychology. The phrase, it's again from my great uncle John Jones, it's Eramus is Latin for we shall be, and it's the motto of my hometown, Middlesbrough.
0: Well there you go, everyone. That was Stuart Flaherty, Stu Flaherty, however you want to call him. Cameron calls him many other names but Stuami. tsunami. <laughs> I like that one, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm probably gonna put that in the the headpiece. Oh, Who God. are you with? Stu Nami. Yeah. <laughs> but all Get right, like everyone. a tidal wave sound effect. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Cheesy Chicken
1: Podcast. Thank you. I don't know all you did, but thank you. As the day breaks and the shadows flee, I'm united with the dream I see. This illusion It's time to take it back!